Hey Forge family, in our last episode last week, the Apostle Peter returned to Isaiah 28 verse 16. That's like his third time there that we know of. And um, he doesn't just quote scripture, he interprets it. And uh, he presents Jesus as the precious chief cornerstone. And we, as living stones, all of us being built into a holy, unique building, a dwelling place. Then Peter taught about the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. You know, that, that is what's laid out before those who reject Jesus. They will run into that. They're going to trip over that. They're going to bark their shins on that. Because he is there to say, here's the standard. Here's who I am. How are you going to respond? Now, last week I chose to focus on the words, tell out. You know, the words translated proclaim, but it means to verbally speak forth the awesome deeds and ways of God. And I urge you to begin to build a resume of personal experiences and of, of, of known, uh, proven accounts to be able to tell out of what God is doing in your life and around your life, the lives of those you know, so that you can have a saying uh, you, you, have, you have a way to speak about Jesus. All right, let's pray. We're headed into episode number eight. We need to pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, with Forge family and all those listening to this podcast, Lord, um, we want to be prepared for the battle ahead of us, to discern the battle ahead of us, because Peter is going to talk about that. Lord, get us ready for this next passage. Um, we want to be those who listen carefully and soberly, and be ready, Lord. Um, thank you for what you're teaching us, how, where you're leading us. Uh, we ask you, Lord, for more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to read you 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. This is what it says. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war, against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So, family, um, Peter, as, as pastor and counselor and apostle and exhorter, he, he starts with this word, beloved. Now, this is not just pastoral blather, you know, where the, the man in the black suit stands up front at weddings and funerals and goes, Oh, beloved, we are gathered together today. And I'm sure you've heard, you know, the, the princess bride uh, sort of thing. Uh, but that, that's, that's not how Peter's approaching this. This is a word that essentially means those who are passionately loved by God. This is the agape love. Okay, and they're passionately loved by Peter as well. And then he says, you who are so passionately loved, I urge you, I exhort you, I call to you because you're aliens and you're strangers. You're, you're those who are passing through. Your citizenship is in heaven. It's not here in Asia Minor. It's not here in California. It's not wherever you are. Your, your citizenship, if you know Jesus, it's in the presence of God in his kingdom. It's in heaven. 
okay, and strangers, those who are scattered in amongst the, the pagans, uh, and, and that's where you live, okay? And he calls us, he urges, exhorts, and calls us as aliens and strangers to abstain, that literally means to hold yourself back constantly. That's a tight discipline, okay? That's an awareness, that's a discipline, okay? And he says, I want you to abstain from these strong desires. Well, strong, there's nothing wrong with strong desires. But in the text of Scripture, you have to interpret what kind of strong desire. Is this a desire that leads to joyful expressions and righteous things? Or is it a strong desire that sucks you under? Well, here, you know, this is strong desire that leads to death. All right? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, this is how Peter describes some of these strong desires that we're supposed to abstain from. He says, and in, you know, excuse me, for the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, because this is the way that they lived, okay? How you lived before and how the people around you were living, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousals, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. That was what was going on around the people that Peter's writing to. And in some measure, that's going on around us. And, and you know, the people who give themselves to their sensual behavior and sensual life, okay, to those who are, have given themselves up to lust. And now that's not necessarily exclusively sexual promiscuity. You could lust for a piece of Prada luggage or a pair of shoes. You know, you could, you could strongly desire it and it could dominate your life. I've got to have this thing. Okay? Drunkenness. You're just over the top. You've lost control. Carousals. Drinking parties. All right? This was, this was something that happened all over neighborhoods in Asia Minor. And periodically, parties in your neighborhoods where you live. Okay? And then lastly, abominable idolatries. All right? Um, it, is, it, is, it was a known thing that the most popular sites, the most popular temples, the most popular part of idolatry in the Roman Empire was based upon demonic adaptations, demonic worship. And, and, and all forms of magic were in play there to sort of look like the real deal, to counterfeit power. Those are abominable idolatries. Because they called men to sacrifice themselves and their bodies. And there was, there was gross sexual behavior in, in, the, in those settings. And there was blood. So when, when Peter says, if you go back to these things, if you don't abstain from these things and hold yourself in tight discipline, they will wage war down on your souls. And, and the sense of the text is, the war comes, it falls on you. Okay? It's going to pound you down so that you're below the horizon. Okay? You're going to be sub-horizon. You're, 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 you will be taken out. Okay? Now, you, don't, you, don't, you lose the battle. There's the possibility of losing battles. You don't lose the war. Because Jesus, in his, in his life, death, re, uh, burial, resurrection, and ascension, has won the war. All right? But there are battles that are fought over these, these desires, okay? And his name is at stake. 
Peter wants your soul to stand in the end times. Verse 12 says, keep your actions, attitudes, values, emotions, all those things that make up your behavior. Keep your behavior excellent before the Gentiles because guess what? They're watching for 2,000 years. Non-believers have carefully watched those who claim to be Christians because they want to be able to unmask that person and say, this is, this is a folly, this is stupid, this is, you know, this is crazy, this is just another religion. They, they, want, to, they want to make sure that, they're, and then they want to make sure that they, they're not missing on anything. And so they watch carefully, okay? But in so doing, you know, Peter says, they were slandering the Christians. They were lying about the Christians, there were all kinds of perverse comments that were made in the first century regarding Christians and Christian worship. Now, you know, the obvious one of the obvious ones had to do with the Last Supper, where Jesus, you, know, you remember, he stood and he and he led his company of disciples in this last, uh, the last portion of the Passover service. They had had a meal together in Jerusalem, in the upper room, and then he said, here, this is my body. Break it. Eat it all. And, and do this in remembrance of me. This is, this is my blood of the new covenant. When you, when you drink this, you know, remember me. Well, it was said of Christians that they were cannibals, and that when they had an agape feast, when they had uh, a Eucharist, when they had this time together to, to break the body uh, you know, and, and remember the broken body and to, to remember the spilt blood of Jesus. They were being cannibals, they, that they took a child and killed it and ate it. See, that was a wicked slander. Christians were, were said to, to, to damage trade. You know, when there was a riot at Ephesus because Paul's teaching had become so potent that people had turned away from the idol of Diana of the Ephesians. And as they turned away from that idolatrous practice, the silversmiths who made their living crafting and selling these little silver idols of the statue of Diana of the Ephesians, their cash flow dropped away. And they created a riot. And they said, these people are ruining our business. And that spread across, across, the, uh, across Asia Minor, around the Roman Legion. The Christians were bad for trade. You know, Christians were accused of tampering with family relationships. And in some part, that was true because if grandma and two kids love Jesus, there's going to be a problem in the pagan household because that household has idols that they worship and there's practices that the whole family's involved in. And if you have Christians that don't, they become aliens and strangers, if you will, inside their own family. Uh, Christians were accused of turning, turning slaves against their masters. Well, that's, that's not true. But at the same time, Christians clearly taught that every man was of great value to God. Now, there's 60 million Slaves. That's one out of you know, be one out of five people in the United States today, if you will. Okay, but there were sixty million slaves in the Roman Empire 
and um, you know the teaching that they had worth. They weren't chattel. They weren't disposable. They weren't used up and discarded and killed to be used up, discarded, and killed by their masters. That made a huge impact on the slave population in the Roman Empire. You know, and then finally, you know, th there was the accusation that they were they were seditious. They were disloyal to Caesar. Christians, you know, they, they had nothing to do with Caesar whatsoever. They were, you know, they were off on their own. Okay? But, and it was true that no believer would openly worship Caesar as God. They would not take the pinch of incense and walk by the, the statue of Caesar and throw the pinch of incense in and declare Caesar is Lord. They, they wouldn't do that. Okay, and, and, and there were those who paid in blood on that spot if they would not bow the knee and worship Caesar in that way. Okay, but they were slandered because of that. I think Peter here is really focusing on something that he heard from Jesus. In Matthew 5, verse 16, okay, Jesus said this, Let your light shine before men, in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Okay? Because in verse 12, it says, verse 12 talks about um, your good works. Okay? Keep your behavior excellent, and the thing that they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Okay? The, the pagans are watching. And they're drawn, drawn, drawn toward this, this purity, this relationship with a living God, okay? And the word for, uh, for good is the word kalos. It means it isn't just good. It's lovely. It's beautiful. Okay, and that's the word that, that Peter uses here about the deeds that the Christians live out in front of the, 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 uh, those who don't know Jesus at all. Okay, and the result may be that the that those unbelievers are so drawn <clears throat> that they will be present on the day of Jesus coming, and they will rejoice too. They will have become believers as well, and be able to give testimony of the attraction of your life. Now, there's a shift here in the text. Okay, Peter shifts, and I want to read verses 13 to 15 here to you. Okay, he says, "Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake." to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Okay, Peter shifts here and he's concerned about uh, making, uh, he, he doesn't want to raise anarchists. He doesn't want to raise a little cult that says, we're only going to live over here on the side. We have nothing to do with human events around us. And we're going to stand against all forms of government. Well, Peter plays back much of what Paul has already written about in Romans 13. Okay, And you can look at that passage where he talks about how do you relate to those in authority over you in government. All right. So he starts with this phrase in verse 13. He says, submit yourselves. That word means rank yourself under. Be subject to. So if you're on an army base and, and 
a lieutenant, a captain, and a colonel simultaneously enter a room from different entrances, instantly the lieutenant and the captain know they're outranked. And they rank themselves under. They, they snap to attention, they salute, and the colonel acknowledges them because they serve him. Okay. In this case it says, rank yourself under, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, every law, every regulation, every government. You know, so Peter's saying, you're, you're not out of this thing, guys. You're not going to go off and, and sit on a white cloud and play a harp. You're going to be in the world, but you're not going to be of it. All right, You're going to be in the world, and as you're in the world, you will rank yourself under every institution because it's for the Lord's sake that you do this. Whether it's a king or an emperor or whether it's governors, because we know there were, there's at least three governors mentioned in the New Testament. There's Pilate and Festus and Felix, you know, and, and, um, and they each play a part in, in wielding the power of Rome. Okay? And then we get to verse 15. Verse 15 says, For such is the will of God. All right? That's, a, that's an amazing statement for the New Testament. Because lots of times people say, Well, I just, I just want to know what the will of God is. You know, for this is the will of God, is what it says. This is the will of God, verse 15, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Okay, in the early third century, there was a philosopher named Celsus who uh, turned loose um, the most famous and the most systematic attack of all upon Christians in which he accused them of ignorance and foolishness and superstition and all kinds of stuff. But he could not condemn them for immorality. He couldn't charge them with impurity. So he just sort of blathered on about the fact that you're dumb and you're stupid and you're foolish and stuff like that. Okay? In a sense, Peter's saying, if you live in front of them with purity and you submit as unto the Lord, that will silence those who challenge you. All right, let's read verses 16 and 17. It says, Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. For, you know, or, but use it as bond slaves of God. Let me read it again. Act as free men, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as a bond slave of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the king. Okay? <clears throat> William Barclay says this of Christian freedom. It's very pithy and to the point. He says, we may put it this way. Christian freedom is always conditioned by Christian responsibility. And Christian responsibility is always conditioned by Christian love. Christian love is the reflection of God's love, and therefore Christian liberty can rightly be summed up in Augustine's memorable phrase, quote, love God and do what you like, unquote. See, if you're, if you're walking with him and listening to him and being obedient to him and, and seeking the scriptures to, to, to fill you up that your salvation overflows, 
then, as you love God, you can do whatever you want. Because the scripture is going to modify your behavior. The, the word of God is going to come in. Holy Spirit is going to help cleanse you. And, and you're going to end up doing exactly what God wants you to do. Because he's in it. Do what you like. God is in it. <clears throat> so verse 17 has really two lines here uh, in, in the Greek text. Um, it begins and ends with the verb honor, which is a word for proper respect. And so the first line really reads, um, show proper respect and honor to all men. And Peter's saying, please remember where you came from. You were like the people around you at one time. And they, like you, may become sons and daughters of the king. Honor all men. And then in the end of the second, that second, excuse me, the, first, the second thing in the first line is, you be, you be passionately loving the brotherhood. Okay? There's, he's, he's ordering them proper respect and honor for all men, and then you be passionately loving the brotherhood. This is pouring out the agape love on your brothers and sisters. And then the second line begins, okay, uh, bring the proper sense of reverence and dread in fearing of God, in the fear of God, because God is holy. God is other. God is so far superior to, to humankind that he is to be honored and reverenced, and, and it is a good thing to have a proper fear as you honor him. And then lastly, the, the word you know, comes back, the verb, you know, the, it says, be honoring the king. Keep it up. Be constantly respecting the king, the emperor. All right, Forge family, remember uh, over the last probably five weeks, um, Jan um, taught two lessons on Sunday afternoons on how to respond to the politics and politicians and leaders uh, in this present government and administration and this election year. So I'm, I'm preparing to send those sound files from those two sermons to you for your reflection and prayer because, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Jan arrived at a very, on a very similar track and to the same conclusions that Peter does here and how we honor and how we respect those in authority. As counselor and pastor and apostle, Peter calls us to purity. You know, and, and for Jesus, uh, there's this sense of discern the battle that's laid out before you. If there's a slip up, if you slip into wrong desires, you know, your soul is going to get beaten up. Your soul might lose some battles. The war is won, but but the battles it, you know reflect what happens to the name of Jesus in your life. So Peter's just saying, you know, abstain from that stuff. Protect your soul. Uh, at one time, Pluto, the uh, Greek philosopher, was told by, of a man who was uh, slandering him, and and Pluto's response was, Plato, excuse me, Plato. Not Pluto. Pluto is a Disney character. Plato 
was told of a man <laughs> making slanderous charges. And he said, I will live in such a way that no one will believe what he says. See, that's what Peter's saying. It's the same solution to slander. You live in such a way that no one's going to listen to what anybody says about you. Now, I want us to revisit here right at the end of this podcast that word good, that word kalos, the Greek word that means lovely and beautiful. So Forge family, we're called to live beautiful lives. Now, how, how do we do that? How does that begin? Well, it begins by inviting the beauty of the person of Jesus into your heart. And then you begin practicing with him. You practice his ways. You know, he'll remind you. He'll say, oh, that wasn't beautiful. That wasn't good. Here's what you do instead. You go, oh, oh, please forgive me. And then you do what's right. You do what's good. You do what's beautiful. Okay? You think his thoughts. You obey him in the word. You obey him in how you live and how you walk and what you say. All right, Forge family, let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's hard uh, to keep showing honor and respect to all men at all times, especially um, when we are, we're just appalled at some of the choices that they make. And yet the scripture says we're to, to rank ourselves under that for the namesake of Jesus. And so, Lord, um, insofar as, as our faith is able to stand in the middle of that, and we're not crushed by their, their laws, and we're not crushed by their government, then, Lord, we are called to be honoring to them. And, and we want to do that. And we do that now. Lord, uh, we set ourselves to, uh, to do good, to do beautiful, lovely things, to say beautiful, lovely things things because that reflects your character in us and lord we want to be as those who shine in the state where we are lord in the job we have in the family we have in the neighborhood you gave us wherever you scattered us and placed us we want to shine in jesus name amen all right forge family i love you i'll see you soon